Good evening and welcome to Absolute Bad Podcast. I've got the uh, season premiere guest, which is Rob Adams from Red Sea Spire. Hello, Robin. How's it going? I'm good, thanks, man. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. All good. All good. A bit nervous, but we'll, we'll get through it. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, I've got a bit of a description for you, if you don't mind me reading it out. Yeah, go for it. So, I've got vocalist, clean and dirty singer, brackets, freak of nature, close brackets. <laughs> uh, Red Sea's fire vocalist, Hella vocalist, and music producer. So if that's an appropriate description for you, have I missed anything? No, I think that probably that probably covers oh, it. it. Nice. So, what I always um, start with on Absolute Better Than Podcast, Robin, is I want to know how COVID's been for you as an overarching sort of lifestyle change. And obviously, you can go into as much or as little detail as you want. But over to you. Um, to be honest, it's been kind of fine. Like, it's been my surprisingly, it's been my busiest year for music work. Yeah, which I didn't really expect. Um, but, and I've been trying to figure out for a while whether that was down to COVID itself or whether, you know, I had a lot of projects booked in, you know, the previous year that would spill, you know, into this year. So I'm not entirely sure if it's down to COVID or it just kind of everything lined up so that I happen to be pretty busy, um, all the way through it, but it's been fine, man. Like, and I thought it was going to be really fine because I don't. Like I spend a lot of my time at home anyway. Like I'm just kind of mixing and like recording and all that kind of stuff. And I don't, you know, I don't really go out a lot anymore. Um, yeah. But it has been the little things that have been yeah. uh, the problem. You know, like the coffee, the coffees on the weekend, the kind of seeing friends, that kind of thing. That's so yeah. Overall, but overall, it's uh, it's been fine. And you know, my um. Yeah, my ability to do what I love has not been affected, which I've been very yeah. grateful for, and I feel extremely lucky for that as well. Yeah, you've just slightly adapted to the change rather than let it ruin your life sort of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Um, what about That's yourself? Good. I'm all right, mate. I'm still working, so I'm grateful, like you, to be working. Mm. Um, I work for a fairly classified company. I won't go into it too much. But um, yeah, I've been working from home, and I've been going into the office now and then. Mm. Um, there's quite a lot of people that have been working from home since probably March and they haven't really gone back into the office. So they're going to be in for a hell of a shock when they come back in, because I just think that it will adjust them. You know, I think it's good to have your sort of options open sometimes. And it's nice to be able to go into the office as a sort of reminder that that's where you usually work. I suppose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's been all right. Um, still see my son at the weekends. Um, yeah, it hasn't really changed my life too much. Um, obviously, family. I've not really been able to see my family much. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely been one of the one of the downsides. Yeah, yeah not been seeing family. Been, um, been getting a bit wound up with all the people in Asda that seem to think that wearing their face mask just over their mouth is enough. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got to put it over your nose as well, people. Come on, if you're going to do it, do it properly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's been a few of those, but I won't. I won't go on to this too much we've got uh yeah got on, so. just <laughs> people being people being people you know but yeah they're trying their best i guess not quite <laughs> fully understanding what a virus is oh dear so, yeah Rick. i want to quickly go into red sea's fire um, yeah sure sort of teller if that's all right yeah yeah absolutely man so i 
first heard Red Sea's Fire because obviously you had Nolly in the band as a guitarist. Yeah. Um, you're on quite a lot of like internet forums. You were like a sort of band to watch out for and an up and coming sort of gent meets electronic kind of genre, which was quite rare and quite sort of bespoke and unique back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is yeah. yeah, long before that kind of became a, a thing, really. So, yeah, yeah, kind of on the leading edge of it. And I remember like really getting into you when that Turner of Turner and Hooch video came out. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, um, I literally I couldn't understand the fact that you were the only vocalist in the band. It really like threw me for a loop. <laughs> you were able to transition so smoothly between like screaming and clean singing was just like I couldn't like get off of that for a while and it wasn't just like the one song it was like quite consistent throughout all of your songs yeah and I was just like how the hell does he do this and I'm a bassist so gotcha, like for gotcha. me that a vocalist is doing something special is usually quite sort of I just play five strings I'm not really bothered about all of that <laughs> you know but yeah, yeah I was really really impressed by that music video as well it was really cool it was kind of in a bit of a churchy vibe it kind of reminded me of the um video game devil may cry yeah that was actually the first mm. music video we ever did um so uh yeah that was that was a pretty interesting experience for yeah for me as well really because mm. yeah, like i say first video we ever did so it was very cool yeah, yeah. very cool yeah i remember sort of visiting your back catalog at that point and listening to um was the actual ep was it just called red sea Fire or was it called cypher um so the ep that turner and hooch was on was part of it was i think it was called like mise en scene or something which is like a film reference i, I believe um and that first ep was like one of three that were to come together yeah. to create a final kind of record um the first one was called uh exposition yeah. and then second one confrontation and then the final one was uh, resolution, I believe. <laughs> like, man, you're really like jogging my memory here. This is uh, we're going back a long way now. But um... it's funny, isn't it? Um, a lot of like the music talk that we're going to go through are just memories because we're not really able to do an awful lot at the moment, other than just record. Yeah, we're not doing much. Yeah, yeah. It was called Resolution. Yeah, yeah I'm right. Um, yeah. And then obviously we had a mini, a mini album yeah. before that that was just self-titled. It was just yeah. called Red Sea Fire. Yeah, um, I remember watching your Tech Fest live set, and there was like a drum solo um, in the middle of it, and it was it was actually quite cool that you'd managed to sort of get a eight track EP or whatever it was into like a full set, and it was kind of played the whole way through. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I've got Jake on tomorrow, Jake Fogarty. Oh, he did mention. So yeah, he did mention he was speaking yeah. to you. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I think uh, that's one of my first sort of professional drummers that I've had on as well. So it's nice to uh, go through a lot of you. Mm. Um, just quickly before I forget, because I've got some notes. What is um, what's PEG up to these days? So Pete, uh, Pete lives in Norway now, actually. All right. Um, so he kind of he kind of stopped doing all the the music stuff, and he he got more into kind of the film side of things. Um, right. Okay. So he's still creating. Um, yeah. creating but it's it's way more in the kind of yeah the film aspect of things now and um okay so yeah he, yeah, he lives in norway at the moment he moved out there Jesus. like six months ago i think so 
did see on his Instagram that he got a truck license or something similar. To yeah, that. he's been. Yeah, I think he's been doing that for a, a good couple of years now. He's been kind of driving the huge, yeah. like long haul trucks around, and um, yeah, I think he just wanted a break <laughs> from all the music, yeah, really. Yeah. Um, Although when you get your hook into something, you can't really stop. Like you're mm. still talking about the fact that he's creating, and he can't seem to sort of break fully out of that. It's not a case of you know I've lived in New York for ten years and now I just need to go live on a farm. Mm. He's kind of got his hand in it, and I think that's like very sort of it. It resonates with me because I I love recording and I love like being a session musician, yeah. but I don't miss like going to a gig on a Wednesday night in the middle of nowhere to free people getting home <laughs> at five in the morning, you know, working at eight in the morning. Yeah. That's the bit. No one misses <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like to make it sound as glamorous as possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's the bit that's no one it. misses, but, um, but yeah, the other, the other stuff there, yeah, he's yeah. a very creative guys Pete and um, I always had a huge amount of respect for him like as a creator and and as a musician as well he's very very talented guy Um, yeah but so yeah whatever he kind of turns his sights to is usually really cool like it's it's got a really interesting element to it and uh, yeah that seems to be now more on the kind of film side of things so that's cool because I remember when Nolly left, you didn't really get a replacement for him. So I thought that Pete, he had a bit of a sort of job on his hands, trying to sort of come up with two guitar parts instead of one. And he seemed to absolutely smash it, to be fair. The, the three EPs you did were really, really good. And they all sort of flowed into each other quite naturally. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was really cool to see that you'd um, sort of modified your approach rather than just sort of we can't continue unless we've got a second guitarist or, you know, we need to get a new lineup and all that sort of stuff. He just kind of soldiered on and got on with it from what I can tell from the outside. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting being a part of a band when you're kind of, when you're the main writer, Um, obviously Pete and Nolly were the writers for the, um, the first, the first, the kind of mini album that we did. Um, And I know from, you know, experience in those kind of situations that, you know, it's great working with other people, but sometimes in the moments where your ideas do clash with each other um, yeah. and maybe you want something one way and someone else, you know, wants it the other, um, it can yeah. be very frustrating. So I think, yeah, Pete saw yeah. the opportunity to kind of do everything his way. And um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, he, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, he did a really good job of it. And yeah, um, that's cool. Hmm. I remember when he um when he got endorsed by um oh god what's the name of the company he got endorsed by a guitar company mayonnaise so probably mayonnaise and my friend was absolutely adamant that it was mayonnaise <laughs> and I was like mate there's no fucking way there's a guitar company out in there <laughs> called mayonnaise like you need to seriously reevaluate your life <laughs> if you think that a company has made you know like a condiment styled themed guitar. But yeah, it was cool. Yeah, like, no. in some of the videos, he he had like a sort of tribally, sort of like a swirly ripple effect. It looked like the, um, mm. the guitar had a like slight raised thing to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he got some cool. really cool guitars from Aonis. Yeah, I don't know what that what that name means. It's a Polish company, so I'm not quite sure. Um, yeah, but yeah, they make some incredible yeah. guitars to Aonis and yeah. I remember um, Pete, he sort of introduced me to Zilla cabs as well, because I'd never really heard of mm, them before. Mm. 
and they had some pretty unique names. I think one was called a Super Fat Boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, that's yeah, I actually, uh, I actually have Pete's um, Fat Boy cap uh, sat right next to me now. Actually, I, I ended up uh, buying that off him uh, short. Yeah, shortly after we kind of well, he upgraded to like a um, when we switched yeah. to the single guitarist, Pete switched to an eight by ten cab yeah. or an eight by twelve yeah. potentially. It was just this massive bloody cab that was meant to kind of yeah. um, pick up the slack for losing a guitarist. I think you know we just just instead yeah. of having two, just turn it up. Yeah, just turn it up a yeah. bit. Um, so I ended up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah buying the fat boy off him. Yeah, they're great cabs though. They're really good nice cool cool so just quickly um we've, we're about halfway through the first recording mm. so i want to know beginning to end as robin adams mm. i want to know how you approach songwriting because i think that the way that you approach it and the way that you add your element of sort of electronic stuff is really quite unique um i just want to know like do you start off with something in your head and then you go to a studio and sort of throw it out well, wow. um, so I mean, it's an in- interesting question, and I guess it completely depends. <laughs> is the honest answer yeah. to that? Um, it depends who it's yeah. for. If it's if it's within, well, if it was within the context of Red Sea Fire, for example, um, yeah, Pete would always start with the instrumental. So I'd usually be given a instrumental demo of guitars, you know, bass, drums, um, and he would have maybe an electronic, you know, element going. Uh, and then I would usually start out writing vocals for that. Um, if it's more teller, um, I'm usually in, that's kind of me in it from the beginning. Like I'm throwing out the kind of guitar riffs and the electronic elements and the vocal lines. And those can start anywhere, really. It's either like a jamming on a guitar or, you know, I was, I was actually talking about uh, this with someone earlier, but I have about, 3000 like voice notes just on my iphone just like (laughs) you know sometimes they're little vocal hooks they're like you know i've got i'm scrolling down them now it's like chunky riff three melodic chorus one new heavies pre-chorus like it's it's just loads and loads of like different ideas and you know the majority of the time i'm not gonna i don't even remember half of the ones in there and um but you know every now and again i'll go through it and i'll pick out maybe an idea that i think might be kind of cool and i'll start trying to create it from scratch and you know if it if it feels like it has something Mm. maybe i'll you know maybe i'll continue with it but if it doesn't then i'll usually just kind of forget about it and move on um but yeah it, it usually depends on what kind of project i'm working on like um yeah but yeah but vocals are probably the hardest one for me just because it's all well and good coming up with like a really good melody or something like that. But then it's trying to generate lyrics that fit to that melody sound appropriate. And also we're talking about an appropriate subject. It's can be quite difficult to kind of get all that gel together. But um, yeah, I remember in my first sort of proper band, uh, I've probably gone on about this too much guys. I'm so sorry. I'm going to talk about desert rose again for a little (laughs) sec. Um, I've got like a whole notepad with just like kind of one liners mm. and just like random little paragraphs of things that we could have used. Right. And I always think that's really interesting to like look at the actual sort of cutting room floor of an editor's room mm. 
to like look at the sort of remnants of what could have been, but they never really got off the ground. Yeah. And I remember going, going to the singer and saying, can you do anything with any of this? And he was like, mate, I can't write a song out of a paragraph. Like I need, I need more than that. <laughs> right. I, I need some sort of subject matter. Or I need some sort of emotion and then I can kind of work my way out from mm. there. But currently you've just written down a load of sort of dear diary, random sort of agony aunt. Things. Yeah, that <laughs> don't make any sense to me. Like no one understands me. I'm always going to be in my overdraft. Stuff like you know, <laughs> random snippets of life. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, do you um do you um listen to Devon Townsend at all? Uh, yeah, I have listened to Devon Townsend. Yeah. So recently he did a bit of an interview thing, and he said recently that he actually gets song ideas from dreams. Right. <laughs> And I just think, Jesus Christ, Devin, like what a workaholic you must be that you literally can't even go to sleep without thinking of like your job. That must be insane. Yeah, good lord. He like wakes up in the middle of the night and he does exactly what you do of like recording a voice note and he's like bomb da bomb da bomb da bomb mate, like that must haunt you after a while. It must be like a curse of just like <laughs> I'll be doing it in a sec. I've just got a quickly sing into my phone. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was really interesting when he said that because I, I just can't even imagine how busy his mind must be to not be able to switch off at all. Sort yeah, of goodness. Yeah, I think yes. uh, I don't think I yeah, dream yeah. enough to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, right. I always get my dreams. <laughs> um, one thing I will quickly mention before we just go to a quick break mm. is um, it's one specific lyric that kind of really grabbed me from Turner of Turner mm. Hooch right at the end where the song changes like quite dramatically and it goes quite mm. clean as you're not striving for perfection you're begging for acceptance mm. like damn that that hit me in the feels because i do think that is a lot of people really they're not looking for the finished product they're not looking to progress they're just looking to fit in aren't they yeah apply that to anything really can't you it's like the whole going to school and trying to become an emo or a goth or a chav or you're just kind of looking to fit in with everyone else i thought that was like really sort of sure and i think i think that was yeah also in reference to the fact that people disguise that as striving for perfection they they kind of you know they describe it to other people as as that they're searching for perfection but it's it's not not yeah. the case, really, or or as I found it, not the case <laughs> to be. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that lyric though. So, yeah, it's good. I think it's the one of the last lyrics in the whole song. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I think I wrote yeah. that. Yeah, around the time where, um, you know, I was kind of just being introduced to this this form of metal that was kind of coming about at the time. You know, um, this new yeah. wave progressive metal and. You know, it, was, it consisted of all these incredible musicians and these incredible kind of players coming out with these amazing ideas. And um, and then just kind of surrounding that were a lot of these kinds of people that seemed to not have that kind of talent that spearheaded the kind of movement, but they were equally gatekeeping. They were gatekeeping it to everyone yes. else. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really like that, that element of it. Um, because there's so yeah. much, there's so much interesting. There were so many amazing players, and 
yeah people were heavily gatekeeping it and it just seemed completely unnecessary yeah, you yeah. Know? i think that's really sort of um transparent with youtube is like people like ksi and logan paul mm. and all of these like gorilla fame people that when i'm gonna do what i want and you can either watch mm. me or follow me um but i'm gonna do it anyway i don't really care if there's 20 million people watching me yeah and they just went i don't care like i don't need a manager i don't need a record label i don't need like 400 people telling me what i can and can't do and what my day looks like and what my schedule looks like they went i'm gonna do what i want and that's yeah it, really. yeah obviously they have teams around them obviously they can't do everything by themselves that's ridiculous but I really like that sort of the fact that there aren't any gatekeepers really nowadays. So there's not really a sort of um, what's the word? You can do whatever you want. Essentially, yeah, you can. There's there's way more channels now to kind of yeah give yourself yeah. a platform to do yeah like you say anything you want these days, and uh, that's probably a good thing. Hmm. It's probably a good thing, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I started this in October, this podcast, and I went, sod it, I'm going to try Right, it, yeah. And I'm going to do it on my phone to mm. start with, and I'm just going to start talking to some mates. And then I uh, I DM'd Dave McPherson from InMe, who's my absolute mm. idol. I absolutely worship InMe. I love them so much. And he instantly replied to me saying, mate, I'm game. How's the, uh, how's the end of April? Wow. Been? And I was just like, wow, that's ridiculous. Mm. Um, and then obviously I DM'd you, DM'd a few people. You're one of the only people that got back to me in a short space of time, but I've got a few people sort of lined up. But I just thought, like I mentioned this in the previous episode with Larry, like there are people out there that do stuff and there's people out there that think about doing stuff and they're quite happy to sit at the end of their bed and wonder what could mm. have been. But if you don't go for it, then you'll never know and you'll just feel sort of unsatisfied and kind of wandering yeah and, and i mean that it can be really dangerous because i think if you don't do that you can end up like really bitter man like you can end up and you know yeah. you could be commenting on some other dude who's like trying his best at yeah. starting a podcast and you could be that guy commenting on yeah. his thing like oh i could have fucking done this and it's like yeah you could have can, yeah, I, yeah. can I swear on this <laughs> <laughs> um you know you could say like well i could have done that it's like yeah you could could but but that guy chose yeah. to do, actually do it yeah and he beat you to the chase because you were too busy one wandering around this whole sort of yeah maybe maybe like, thinking I of all the reasons you shouldn't do it you know when you should have yes. just been doing it so i do eventually when obviously everything gets a bit back to normal i want to go into a proper studio and do this face to face but i'm aware that the logistical side of that can be quite difficult like I can drive, but some people that I want to speak to might not be able to drive. Some of them live in London. I, I don't live anywhere near London mm, sort of mm. thing. But um, I'd quite like to do that at some point and make some sort of group podcast and like have like a few people on the same table as me and stuff yeah, like man. that. But for now, I'm pretty happy doing this remotely, having a chat, audio only, and just seeing what happens really. And it seems to be doing really well. Excellent. Yeah. So Great, uh, man. yeah, go for it, people. You've got nothing to lose. <laughs> literally literally nothing but, to yeah. no exactly yeah i'm just a guy from weymouth but yeah i'm gonna um send you a new link in a sec we're just gonna quickly go to an Perfect. advert i'll speak to you in a sec sounds great man right. cheers just a quick reminder that you're listening to absolute bedlam podcast so grind have a sale on for march in 
Light of Mother's Day, which is a 15% off mother's shorts, women's shorts. I suppose mothers are women, aren't they, Ben? Anyway, um, women's shorts, 15% off, and that's at the Grind website, which is in the description of this episode. Check them out. They've uh, got a lot of really big things coming up. There's lots of cool designs coming up for summer. And uh, yeah, shout out to Clayton at Grind for the best sportswear equipment you can get in Weymouth. Back to the episode. Welcome back. Hello. Part two. Right, so let's talk about producing, if you don't mind. Sure, yeah. So how did you get into producing, first and foremost? And uh, where do you think you're sort of, what stage do you think you're currently at now? Are there layers to producing? I'm a bit silly with this sort of stuff. Well, let me see. Um, So I started probably producing, not in a professional sense, but more in just like a hobby kind of sense was, you know, back when I was at school. So, you know, I played guitar at school, I played drums, and I was kind of in bands at school and always, you know, didn't want to, didn't have like thousands of pounds to spend and go book out a recording studio. So um, I just started recording at home. Like my dad is like an electronics engineer and yeah. he built me like a tiny little four track mixer kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the interface with our like windows 2000 computer at the time. Okay. Um, and I was just recording, you know, str- I think straight from like a boss, um, like effects pedal. So yeah. no, uh, no amp, no cab, no nothing, just straight from the effect, distorted tone, straight from the pedal, like, yeah. Uh, into this computer so i was kind of doing that from the age of maybe like 15 or something like that yeah and i recorded some of my bands at school and it just kind of started to become this thing that i was really interested in so i went to university to study music production so that's what i went to university to do and um that's where i met like you know nolly and uh red seas fire and all that kind of stuff but um so yeah since then uh yeah, I've been doing it professionally now for a good couple of years at this point. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. I imagine going to uni to do it professionally, sort of, you got into a bit of a melting pot of like people that wanted to do the same thing as you, and you probably developed some sort of network around that. Yeah. Yeah. You do, you meet a lot of people that are doing the very similar thing. Like it's, it's a little bit more difficult, I think, doing metal. Um, yeah. just cause at the time, you know, a lot of people were into dubstep and, um, all that kind of stuff. So electronic music was very big at the time as well. And, um, yeah. but you know, people in those genres, like it's, it's fascinating what you can learn from, cause they're just coming at this, you know, they're doing the same thing, they're doing music, but they're coming at it from a completely different angle. And it's, it's super interesting to kind of hear that and, uh kind of yeah. talk about techniques together i have a friend uh called joe ford who's like a neurofunk electronic music producer yeah. and he's one of the best like he's unbelievable um yeah. but our approach to stuff is just so different it's uh, yeah you know we've run we've run through sessions yeah. together and it's just it's a completely different approach it's almost a different yeah. thing you know that we're doing but yeah that's interesting because it's essentially the same discipline, isn't it? And it's the same yeah. end result. Yeah. I love collaborating with people, though. I hate working by myself in isolation. I, I love to sort of ask my girlfriend what she thinks of this. Mm. You know, 
I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think about this? And I just don't like sort of leaving everything up to me because uh, I've always been a bit of a control freak, but I've recently sort of relinquished that because uh, I don't want to spend the whole of lockdown arguing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see people do things in different ways. Mm. I quite like sort of being a fly on the wall for stuff like that sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, me and him actually ended up making a song together once uh, called Breaking Point, um, yeah. which we got a producer called Seldweller to also uh, feature on. But yeah, that, that tune was really cool, actually. I really enjoyed the crossover element of that and kind of collaborating in that way. But Yeah. Yeah, I think when you like, if you check out like people like Marshmallow, mm. who absolutely massive, you know, he he doesn't even sing. He just writes sort of background music for people and just adds beats into stuff. And he's mm. collaborated with like 40 to 50 different music people. And like he's done stuff with Youngblood. He's done stuff with uh, Bastille, mm. like completely contrasting things. But he seems to nail it every single time. Obviously, I don't know how much time that takes for him to create that stuff i'm not sure yeah yeah Yeah. it's all about collaboration isn't it yeah yeah it can be it can be really really interesting can collaboration um but yeah so yeah a couple of years into kind of doing it professionally like full-time professionally um yeah it's been a it's been a wild ride for sure good yeah nice so let's quickly switch gears a little bit mm. i want to know currently as a producer this is probably quite hard for you to switch off i imagine but i want to know what your favorite album is currently and i want to know if there was an album for you that kind of got you into the sort of behind the scenes production side of life oh so what is my favorite album currently yeah, yeah in, in the last sort of five years and then obviously if you had one that sort of allowed you to enable and mobilize if that makes sense yeah i mean in terms of what i've worked on or in terms of just any artist uh we can do both yeah one of one of each so your work and then any work that you've heard on the radio or whatever like that oh there's some i mean there's some really interesting musicians around at the moment yeah. uh, i mean there always there always has been and there always will be but um yeah but there's um there's a, a American kind of pop artist at the moment that I really like called Lauv, who just writes some really, really catchy songs. Um, yeah. Some some songs that I even hear and I'm just like, oh, that doesn't really make sense to me. And then two days later, yeah. I'm humming it. Like I'm just humming one of his songs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I need to go back to that. Um, yeah. But there's all sorts, man. Um try to think now yeah there's been some yeah there's been some really amazing records over the last couple of years and um especially for sonics as well like i think there's some there's been a real kind of you know especially for metal i think metal kind of headed towards this weird area where everyone thought you had to sample replace everything and record all the guitars at half speed and yeah. All this kind of weird nonsense that people kind of fell into, and now everyone's yeah. kind of backed off that they've done it, and it's like, all oh, right, okay, yeah. well, it doesn't make it better; it kind of just makes it kind of weird and inhuman. So, 
yeah, everyone totally. people have backed back off that now and it's there's some way more natural kind of productions coming out that still sounds super punchy and really kind of modern yeah but yeah um at the same time uh, not so um but i don't know i, th- I guess yeah. probably the probably the album that kind of mobilized things for me um yes in terms of a lot of things was uh holy hell by architects yeah Um, nice working on that record probably Mm. probably did a lot for me in terms of um in terms of you know mobilizing things um but yeah there's been some great records man like like blood youth starve that was another kind of big one for me um in terms of it being a bit of a milestone for me in terms of it being the full, the first full kind of record that I produced and engineered all the way through. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's, been, there's, there's some amazing records out at the moment. Yeah, definitely. I love Architects. Um, there's one band that me and my girlfriend would, can constantly agree on because we're quite at loggerheads of each other sometimes. She's She doesn't get Devin Townsend. Mm. She doesn't really get, she doesn't really get in me. She doesn't really get Joe Satriani. Sure, sure. We all, we all can all agree on Youngblood and Architects, so I'm going to take that as a victory. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, Youngblood's really cool. I really like his, yeah, his approach yeah. to things. And um, oh, I've got to mention the North Lane album as well, the latest North Lane album. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a great record. Uh, Did you have involvement with that? Sorry. Sorry? Did you have involvement with that? No, no, but um, I, I'm a big fan of that record. Mm. So. Yeah, fair enough. It's a really, really cool mix of electronics yeah. and super down-tuned guitars. <laughs> but, yeah. but way more emphasis on the electronic side of it, which, yeah, I really enjoy. Yeah, I'll have to give that another spin, because I, I did listen to it mm. when it first came out. But um, I've got quite an eclectic music taste, and I do uh, I do forget sometimes. I, I feel, I, I don't know if this makes me sound old. I'm 32 this year. Mm. And I still get quite overwhelmed when I have every single artist available to me when I'm driving. My <laughs> <laughs> world of like, what do I want to listen to? Oh like, yeah, one yeah. song, and they listen to another band, and then they listen to. It's just like this crazy playlist of life. I've mm. always been a sort of end-to-end album kind of guy. Mm. So I listen to like a Russian Circles album the whole way through. I won't skip any tracks or anything like that. Mm. Um, I do struggle with that a little bit, to be honest. Mm. But um, mm. yeah, bands like Architects as well. I, I find that their songs kind of flow into each other quite nicely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I feel that it's done on purpose rather than putting it on shuffle and like, oh, I hate this song. This, this is just like a an interlude. Mm. I think um, bands like Enter Shikari as well that do it really well, where you, you can tell that they've really thought about the track listing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, what was your um? What was your involvement in Holy Hell then? So I was doing all the vocals for Holy Hell. Um, oh wow! And I did the same for the new record as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Which uh, hit number one yesterday, which I was very pleasantly yeah. surprised to to find out. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really cool working with them, and um, yeah, for those that wish yeah, to exist. Yeah, yeah, I need to check that out. It's like an astronaut sort of album cover, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's quite spacey and mystical, which I think is kind of 
on brand for them at the same time because they've always done that sort of sacred script um kind of indiana jones kind of a you know a big sort of circular plate like a shield with loads of tribal stuff written all over it and uh... I, I don't feel that they can really miss a beat um what's the album i'm thinking of it's probably these colors don't run but they've always had like a sort of a centerpiece on their albums. Yeah, they yeah, they very much go for that kind of thing. Um yeah. but yeah, this is probably the first record where yeah, they haven't had something like that actually. It's been Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really cool image though. I really kind of like what they've what they've done there. Um Yeah. And also to have no no writing on it as well. I think that's a, it's a pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, I feel that they're so adaptable, especially as a metal band that like you say like the last sort of 5 10 years. It's it's all good writing songs with like 2000 bpm double bass pedals but if you realistically can't pull that off live then you're kind of just making it up and kind of being a bit of a fraud i suppose about it like yeah. it's funny to like oh check this out mate i've just recorded this song and it's like it's got ridiculous guitar riffs all the way through it for like five minutes straight like Meshuggah bleed for example yeah but yeah I, I don't like the idea of like having to relearn an album just to be able to play it live properly because people really care about that sort of stuff nowadays like yeah i mean like, that's comes along you want it you want to hear that live don't you yeah and i mean that's ultimately what happened you know people went yeah. nuts and all this production kind of stuff and then it turns out you have to play it live you know <laughs> so kind of live became yeah. the ultimate test didn't it for these bands and yeah. Um, it was the, it was the bands that could pull it off live that kind of won out yeah. in the end. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and you know, and Meshuggah is a really good example. You know, because those guys can pull it off live. Like those guys have no problem. Yeah. Um, mm. They're just that good, you know. And there was, you know, other bands as well, like Gojira, um, were yeah. another one. Uh, bands like Monuments and Periphery, of course, as well. And yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, those are the bands that won out in the end because they could play it. You know, they weren't just yeah. they weren't just programming in and hoping for the best. Yeah. You know, you um checked out the new Gojira. Uh, I've checked out the new single. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? I love it, man. I think it's really good. Yeah, yeah. I liked their um, the previous one as well, which is like a sort of cartoon music video. Oh yeah, yeah. As you do. Mm. That's cool. Yeah, I really like it, man. The mix is great as well. It's um, it's an Andy Wallace mix actually. So, okay. Um, who is nice. uh, a huge name? If you haven't heard of Andy Wallace before, um, yeah, yeah, I've heard the name. I've not really um checked him out specifically, but I'll have a look. Yeah, older dude, but he's. I mean, yeah, you just run down the list of his discography, and it's just, it's pretty much yeah. everyone, you know. <laughs> you know. Yeah. They permeate every single artist. Yeah, yeah. You get those producers sometimes that just they are in almost everything of a particular genre yeah. just for the last like thirty years. You know, um, yeah. yeah. He's done all sorts. He's done like I'm looking at his discography now. It's you know, it's a day to remember. Avenged Sevenfold, Lincoln Park, Blink One Eight Two, Slayer, Gallows, Three Doors Down, Biffy Clyro. Yeah you know yeah corn <laughs> it's like it's it's just yeah. everyone you know 
easier to mention what he hasn't been involved in. Kinda, yeah. yeah. I mean, he did Nevermind by Nirvana, you know. It's this, this, uh, yeah, yeah. This dude's done yeah, a lot I of think, massive stuff. I think every time I hear the word producer, my mind automatically goes to Rick Rubin. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, I mean, for good than... reason as well, man. That guy is just yeah. unreal. I'd, I'd love to see his like Outlook calendar for the week. It must just be stacked. Yeah, I mean, I I have no idea what how much he really does anymore. You know, yeah. Yeah. um, I have no idea what that guy's schedule must look like now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think he's worth what, like four hundred million now. Um, oh, wow. he's, no, he's probably chilling. <laughs> Hopefully, chilling. You yeah, know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that guy to me, in my kind of my eyes, is. It's, yeah, one of those yeah. rare producers that comes along that seems to be able to work in any genre and yeah, also yeah. seems to be the component within that that sh- that pushes a band towards a direction that then changes that band's life forever. It's it's yeah. It's a very bizarre skill. Um yeah. But yeah, they they happen for sure. Yeah. I really like the way that people produce albums nowadays and I I really don't like that whole sound engineer, but I'll record you if you pay me sort of attitude. I like it when people get involved and they're like, Ben, you're playing a slightly different bass part every time you record that. And I think it probably would be a bit better down the line when there's a bridge. Yeah. That sort of constructive criticism, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's probably due to the fact that you know just the record industry is, has been changing you know for a long time but the, those lines between the you know the more traditional roles like you would have a producer you would have a sound engineer you would have an arranger for example um you would have a song lyricist that came in and kind of helped with lyrics and all those roles are kind of starting to blur into one um yeah so yeah a lot of the time when you could when you come in to engineer a record like you're probably going to produce it as well um yeah yeah. Or the band will certainly expect that level from you. Um, yeah, yeah. If you're going to a proper studio and you're like staying the night nearby, then I would expect someone to be able to sort of guide us through the whole process, mm. EP or album, not have to outsource it. All done in house. Yeah, it would be crazy these days to kind of go in and be recording something and say, "Hey, like, you know, what do you think of this bass part? Do you think it needs to be?" is it too complex? Are there too many notes in it kind of thing? And the engineer go, well, that's not really my job. That's like a producer's job. If you want to hire a producer, it's an extra, you know, like 300 a day or something. And you know, it just doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, I've never really been a component of this, but I've heard a lot of like professional musicians say stuff like this, where producers just give like vague criticism of like, Oh, that's not very commercial. Or is there any chance that you could write a song about coffee? <laughs> like, mate, what? Like, no. <laughs> We've come to you with a set amount of tracks, and we need you to optimize what we've given you, and we need to get the most out of this, not re record another song or write one on the spot, stuff mm. like that. But yeah, I don't really think that's a real thing anymore. I know In Me wrote a song about it called um, Single of the Week. Right. And it's worth checking that out because it's really catchy and it's quite left field for in <laughs> But um, yeah, it's all about sort of how any- anyone can shape their cloth to fit the masses. Mm. 
And if you like, cast a wide net nowadays, you'll you'll grab a few people that aren't really into music. <laughs> and, uh, That's true. Of, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, in my yeah. experience, yeah, I've never come across a producer like that, really. But, um... Yeah, just random sort of, you know, when you hear like motivational speakers, they're like, oh, you can do it. You just need to believe in yourself. And you're just like, what are you on about? <laughs> like, what does that mean, though? Like, what words? Yeah, know, yeah, for sure. But, um, since you've gone full time with producing, do you still enjoy it as much? Um. Yeah, I mean, there's different... It's different now. It's not something you kind of... Like, you kind of have to change where you pull the enjoyment from it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's it's now more that you're interested in how to kind of get better results um, over your kind of previous work. Whereas before it was more you just do it because you enjoy it, for example. Like, you just kind of feel like doing it today, so you're going to do it, you know? And you don't really care, you know, what guitars sound better or what amp sounds better or what, you know, what's the right pickups for this, what's the right EQs for this. Like, you don't care about any of that stuff. You're just going to create some things. But you kind of end up having to care about all that stuff. Um, But that in and of itself can become, like, that's one of the most fascinating parts to me. You know, um, yeah, and it's probably a good job. That I think that as well. Otherwise, I wouldn't survive. Yeah. But um, that makes sense. I'm glad you're still enjoying it. Oh yeah, because I think yeah. turning your hobby into a job can be quite stressful because you uh you don't ever get back to that sort of spark that you had. If that makes sense. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, like there are constantly people that remind you of why you love music, you know? Yeah. Like people come along and you end up, I've been very, very lucky to kind of work with people who do that for me, you know, that you come in and you see these guitarists or the, the bands kind of producing music and, and you just like, wow, that's an amazing riff or that's an amazing piece of music. Like this is why I like music because <laughs> it's just yeah. I'm yeah. you know I absolutely love it. So um, mm. then obviously yeah, just because of the sheer fact of of having to do it as a job, you end up sometimes working with bands that you that don't do that for you, and it's a yeah. it's an awful time. But you know that's the trade off, you know. But it also yeah, just yeah. makes you more you appreciative of, of when you do come across those talents, yeah. those super talented people, and. Yeah. I would recommend to anyone that has the opportunity to watch a band write a song or record an album to do it because there isn't really a feeling like it watching all of it come together like puzzle Mm. pieces it's such a unique experience it is yeah really is yeah it's good to see like you know I've got some notes here but to go from a notepad with some writing on to playing Wembley Stadium must be such a weird experience. Yeah. I wrote this in my bedroom at 3am and now I'm performing in front of 20,000 people. Mm. Exactly the same as what I had then. Yeah. You know, it must be such a surreal experience of just... Yeah, and to see people, you know, like singing your songs back is is bizarre, really. It's kind of... It's a really insane experience yeah. and 
Um, yeah. And to really let that sink in is, yeah, yeah is yeah. quite a ride. Yeah, because it's like personal, isn't it? And you're broadcasting it, and people are resonating with it. So that's like it's it's unique. Yeah, I don't really know how to describe it on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend anyone give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it, you've got thousands of. Topics. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things that it sometimes doesn't hit you at the right time as well. I think you know sometimes you think it's going to be when it's happening on stage or, um, but sometimes it's afterwards. It's like a couple hours afterwards, and you're like, "Oh wow, yeah, that that was quite insane." But yeah, um, I get what you mean. Yeah, I recommend it to anyone. Give it a go. See what happens. You never know. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, I'm just going to go to another quick break, Robin, but I'll be right back and I'll send you a new link for it. Sounds great. Hey guys, just a quick ad read. Ocean Bottle. I recently reached out to this company as I thought their mission statement and attitude were absolutely fantastic. Support livelihoods, stop ocean plastic. These award-winning bottles come in a range of colours, including ocean blue, forest green, obsidian black and sun orange. Each bottle that is bought means the equivalent of 1,000 plastic bottles kept out of the ocean in places where plastic pollution is actually at its worst. These are 100% dishwasher safe and contained double-walled vacuum seals and are made from insulated stainless steel. They keep your cold drinks cold and your hot drinks hot. Join the award-winning team and get your own at www.oceanbottle.co. The current discount code I have access to is on my Instagram page, so please check out the Absolute Bedlam Podcast Instagram page on there to see the most recent one. Thanks to Ocean Bottle for allowing me to spread the good word of environmental sustainability. I cannot wait to get my own Ocean Blue one soon with my podcast logo front and centre. Anyway, back to the episode. Hello. So, third and final part of the interview, I want to talk about your current project, Teller, and I want to know yeah. what you're currently up to and how that came about and potentially did that rise from the ashes of Red Sea's fire and I want to know everything, basically. Sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, so I'll, I guess I'll start with, yeah, it, it essentially rose from the ashes of Red Sea's fire. Um, yeah. In, I think, oh, potentially 2016... 2015 something like that um pete uh decided to leave the band you know he um he just got to a point where it wasn't really what he, what he wanted to do anymore uh and subsequently at the time our bassist left as well um yeah. so it just left me and jake in the band yeah. um and i think we you know we started demoing new songs and we started kind of speaking to other players you know we posted on our facebook that we were looking for a new guitarist and we just started to kind of think about what we wanted to do moving forward and yeah. i think we just felt at the time that red to, to put out what we wanted to start putting out was not what red sea's fire is known for yeah i get that yeah. um you know it's just completely different writers you know for the first time, like I was writing for Teller, um, and my my musical tastes are not kind of they're not that similar to 
Pete and the kind of that kind of side of the more technical music. Like, even though, I mean, I'm just not good enough to, to write that way, you know. Um, I love listening to it, but yeah, it's just not really in my wheelhouse to do. Um, yeah. but so yeah, I think we decided to change the name just based upon that. You know, we wanted a bit of a fresh start in that sense. Um, you know, we got advised at the time, it was like, you know, if you want to change your band name, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter kind of what you've done previously. You kind of have to start from the beginning again, yeah. you know, because people see Teller on a poster and they don't think, oh, that's Red Sea's Fire. Most people don't think that. They just go, oh, I've never heard of them, you know. Yeah. So it's a bit, you know, and we knew it was going to be a big slog. And um, yeah, we ended up recruiting new members. We shot music videos we did all of that we released the single prisoner um yeah. and that was the kind of you know the the start of everything and then shortly after that we um our members left again <laughs> we had yeah. some unfortunate kind of circumstance where our lead guitarist uh moved to la um and our bassist uh left um just because he wasn't you know it's not what he wanted to do and yeah. And it that and that was about the time as well that my production work started to pick up quite a lot, yeah. Um, and also Jake's drumming, like Jake is a session drummer and a professional kind of drummer for a lot of different yeah. um, avenues. So his work started to pick up a lot as well, and it just started to get to a point where we it was it just started to become further and further down our priority lists, you know. Yeah, um, I get that. So, I mean, yeah, so we, we actually recorded a full album for Teller um, with Nolly. We recorded um, yeah. a full record with Nolly. We released maybe, I think, two singles from it. Yeah. God, I can't even remember. Yeah, two singles. So we did Victoria, um, yeah. which had a music video as well, um, which was shot at my old, um, my old apartment that I lived in. Uh, with my friend Zoe, who kind of followed me around with a mask on the whole time, and uh, both videos were filmed by uh, Zach Pynchon, who is an incredibly talented uh, videographer, and um, also the vocalist in a band called Modern Era, who are an amazing band as well. Um, okay, cool. But and then we released a single called Cadmium Orange, uh, which uh, had Kaya from Blood Youth on it. Uh, All right. We released that, and then yeah, there's like a whole album, like an eleven, a further eleven tracks or so that are still kind of yeah. We've been trying to, you know, we've been trying to kind of get it together, like in terms of a plan to put out the album and to do yeah. shows and stuff. But obviously, as soon as 2020 yeah. Yeah. came about, like that went all all downhill really. And, yeah. Um, but I think I think the plan will probably be to release the album at some point. Yeah. Um, whether any shows follow, I'm not sure, but yeah, that is, yeah, that's kind of the state of Teller right now is that, yeah. you know, we have a new guitarist and we have, um, we, you know, we've, we've had plans to kind of do writing and stuff, but our guitarist is, um, he heads up the lead. He's like the lead designer for, uh, gear for music's like own guitar range, their sub zero range. Oh, okay. So he's an incredibly busy dude, very talented guy, Ben Parr. Um, but again, very, very busy as, yeah. as kind of, uh, you know, as, as all of us are. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's one of those things, unfortunately. No, that makes sense. Mm. Mm. 
I'm glad that um, when sort of your bucket of water that was Red Sea's fire sort of started draining, that you were able to move to something else. Because mm. I do know, I do know quite a lot of musicians that have had that one band, mm. and they've had like the perfect lineup, and they've never ever been able to get back to that sort of sacred ground. Sure. Yeah. And, sure. Yeah, it's really difficult when you you lose an integral key member. Mm. Um, and it's quite hard to sort of soldier on if you don't have that person. I, I've had some really influential people in my groups. Mm. You know, I'm only a small guy from Weymouth, like I say, but I've um, I've met sort of people in the past when I used to run my promotions company. I've met like Benji from Skin Dread and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And I've always said to them, like, you know, how have you managed to stay so energized and so like inspired from essentially going from service station to service station <laughs> yeah. and they're like mate it, it's about the 80 percent suffering to get that 20 percent sort of satisfaction yeah that, that's what it's all about and you can't like you can't predict that you're going to sell out at all you you do what you do because you enjoy doing it and if you do manage to make some money out of it then fantastic but mm. yeah well, I'm probably rambling a bit. But, um, <laughs> no, not at all. You know I mean. No, I mean it's it's true. You know, it's true. It is. Yeah, yeah and and it can be very difficult to kind of get back there. Um, yeah. To convince other people to go through that eighty yeah. percent suffering with you for yeah. that twenty percent, yeah. you know, there's not a lot of people yeah. that are that are kind of into that. So it can be yeah. it, it can become very difficult. Yeah. Um, You've all got to have the same interests. And I think um, something that I've always been able to do quite well was I've been able to adapt my musical style. Mm. I've been in punk bands. I've been in rock bands. I've been in metal bands. I've been in really, really heavy sort of grind core bands that were probably just stupid projects. <laughs> <I've> never <laughs> anywhere, but yeah. I've been in like metal core bands, uh, doom metal, mm. which they all, and like from someone that doesn't understand what we're talking about that just sounds like a load of metal bands doesn't it but they're all completely different yeah yeah <laughs> some bass is done with a pick some of it's done with fingers some of it's done with slapping and thumping and all that sort of stuff mm. um yeah i think like as a producer you probably understand all that sort of stuff because it affects the sound quite a lot doesn't it yeah absolutely absolutely yeah i mean every single one of those genres that you've mentioned has its own yeah. like aesthetic to it in terms of the sound and you know, each has its own individual approach in how to achieve that aesthetic. So, yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah all that stuff yeah. matters. It matters a lot. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny how, like, since I started doing this podcast, I've realized for myself that <clears throat> music was never, like, the actual production and playing live was never really at the forefront of my mind. It was always about the, the background operations and the logistics mm. and the right what gigs can we play in the next sort of three months? Like what dates are we available? Cause I'm going to start messaging venues. Mm. I'm going to start looking at getting merch sorted for us. Yeah. I'm going to put a studio, you know, and it was all about sort of slotting people's time in. Mm. That's a nightmare, isn't it? Especially when you've got people that are in multiple bands and multiple sort of projects. Yeah. That time management aspect of it is, yeah. uh, is very, very difficult yeah like what you're describing with the uh guitarist that's always working all the time for gear for music yeah yeah you know it's um that's good. it's incredibly difficult to you know match up schedule sometimes you know yeah um but yeah I mean, and probably the only time where we haven't all been 
you know, been traveling around, like having these kind of conflicting schedules has been COVID, but at the same time yeah. we've been stuck inside. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been a, a strangely paradoxical situation yeah. we found ourselves in. All available, but also not, which yeah, yeah. it's been a strange one. Yeah, right now, if you don't have the internet, you are screwed. Oh, yeah, goodness. <laughs> like, you really, you can't communicate with anyone from the outside. <laughs> no, good Lord, no. That would be ridiculous. Good Lord. But, um, but yeah, that's the state of Tyler at the moment. Like, um, yeah, there is yeah. a new album coming, but as to when that's coming yeah. out, I don't really know. Um, that's so, cool. Yeah, we'll have to see. And, um, I'll quickly move on. So I saw you a couple of years ago at Teddy Rocks. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I saw you. Um, I saw you at the side of stage mm. and um, of youth. Mm, I think I remember. I think I remember bumping into yeah. you. Yeah. I instantly clocked you, and I was like, "Fuck! I need to meet this guy," because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm incredibly extroverted, and I literally don't care. Like, mm. I, I can talk to anyone at any level. Mm. And the year before you you were there, I was actually um, sort of what was I doing? I was doing the docs office, the tickets mm. and I was like sorting out all the, the press people and I was sorting out all the, the catering people and all that sort of mm. stuff. And I thought at that moment, if you were there, then I could have literally have just gone backstage and said, Hey man, I'm a huge fan of music. I'm a huge fan of Red Sea's fire, you know, that mm. sort of stuff. But I went that year specifically as a punter because I've always had a bit of a PTSD thing with like, helping out at events and stuff right. and I, I can't switch off now like every time i go to a massive festival or i go to like an o2 arena mm. i i always think about the people behind the bar and i always think about like i bet this band got here at 4 p.m to load in and sound check and then they went to kfc down the road and then they came back and i'm like mate just enjoy it for what it is <laughs> like it's meant to be like it's meant to be a leisurely experience really isn't yeah it? yeah you're in it like i was talking earlier like you know it's hard to get out of that creative mind and that sort of mm. i'm always you know oh i hope that they uh they play this song and i hope they uh sell this ep and it's just like mate just enjoy it <laughs> like just chill out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i've always been able to go up to people and say mate i absolutely love your stuff like i'm really looking forward to seeing what's next and stuff like that mm. A lot of people I know that are absolutely terrified of doing stuff like that, but they want to do it, but they just can't. They won't like their body won't allow them because of their anxiety and stuff like that. Sure, yeah, sure. Give me a napkin, give me a pen, I'll I'll go do it for you. <laughs> but like, oh my god, I can't believe you've just spoken to X and Y, you know. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It it can take a lot. It can take a lot to go up to people and kind of say that kind of stuff and but I met the singer of um, Gorgira outside Bristol O2 Academy at like 2am mm. because I I knew that I would get to meet him at some point and I just had to sort of wait a little bit before driving home. Mm. But, yeah, he was like really nice. Obviously, they're French, so they're quite hard to understand. <laughs> but I knew that that was worth doing sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But no, I, I, I do remember running into you actually. Yeah. Now that you, so, yeah, you mentioned that, I do remember that. It's weird when you see people in the outside world. I know that sounds odd, especially right now. Mm. And you're like, I, I absolutely have to say hello to you. I have to like let this person know that I exist. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Maybe, maybe I was in the paparazzi in a former life or something. If I'm a, I'm a 
in, in reincarnated as a 31 year old man that can't seem to uh switch off <laughs> yeah i don't know it's strange. Yeah, but yeah i really enjoyed blood youth and i um i messaged them after their set and i said that was fucking awesome mm. um wasn't too familiar with them but then i realized that you were involved and i was like yeah this is definitely worth checking out this is definitely worth like they're a band to watch sort of thing yeah so, definitely um, definitely are they on the cusp of releasing their second album or is it just dropped so the so this they've just recorded their third album um and the first single was going to be kind of coming out roundabout now but there was uh unfortunately all their video shoots got shut down with the new lockdown so uh we're just kind of sat (laughs) waiting for that to be released at the moment but um but yeah the the album is done uh we did it we recorded it about a month before lockdown well all the way through february like 2020 we were recording this yes. record. Um, we did it at the Ranch Studios in Southampton. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. and yeah, we we were away for a full month doing that. We came back on like the 9th of March or something. And yeah. you know, none of us have been on the internet. Like I'd you know just been pretty much working like 15 hour 15 yeah. hour days like every day. Like I just hadn't looked up from you know logic and the equipment around yeah. me. And we all got back and we're just like. What's, what's this uh what's this coronavirus thing people are yeah. talking a lot about that maybe i should look into it yeah. and you know about six days later or something we were all in lockdown so yeah it was quite a crazy time but yeah, yeah i mixed the whole thing over lockdown luckily yeah. i have my home studio and i have all my setup so um yeah i'm very fortunate i don't have to you know i didn't have to travel to like a residential or a yeah or a, a studio in that sense i can just do all that from my home but yeah yeah so it got all mixed we yeah masters were sent off in like september i think and yeah now it's it's just yeah as and when it can be released yeah um, but that's cool um, i'm looking forward to that, that yeah cool. it's an amazing record it's it's a real it's a really interesting next step from starve so yeah very excited yeah. for everyone to hear that no, that's really cool. Yeah, I really, um, I really liked their sort of. I don't know. They kind of reminded me a bit of sort of Lamb of God, that no bullshit sort of. Yeah. Uh, you either like us or you don't, and we're not gonna sort of back down. Mm. And try and please. If you like us, you'll stay with us and you'll become loyal. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we're not here to juggle. We're we're here to uh, attack. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I got a very attacky vibe from them. They're very, very heavy. Yeah, they're a heavy band. They are. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and they write some great songs. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool when that comes out. What's, um, what's your favorite song by them? Ooh, probably Nerve. No. Probably Nerve, yeah. I think my favorite bit about that song is the fact that each verse has like a breakdown in it. And the yeah. first verse is breakdown. You expect it the second time around, but it like Chris, the guitarist who kind of writes a lot of the stuff, he he decided to just change it up, like in the second verse. Yeah. And obviously it's you know, that's what you would do, but he does it in a way that I think's very, very cool. So yeah, that's one of my favorite yeah. favorite songs by them. And it's a great chorus. Yeah, as I well. like I like the unpredictability. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, there's a band I really like called the Rocket Dolls. Mm. Um, they're from Brighton. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what they're doing at the moment, but they're they're cool. They did an album called Deadhead, mm. and the last riff of that song, Deadhead, it just keeps going. Right it, at the end, the last sort of minute is just that riff over and over and over. And there's no lyrics or anything like that. It's just that riff. <laughs> and just as you think the song's ended, it does it one more time but slower, and then it speeds up. Yeah. And it really threw me because I was like, I really didn't expect that. And a uh, shout out to Nicky Smash, who's a singer of that band and the guitarist. I don't know how he mm. does it. But, um, yeah, I really like it when, like, I just like the unpredictability of some stuff. Yeah, man. I love that stuff. It still as well, exists. Yeah. There's, um, yeah. I don't know why that, that kind of just reminds me of, um, do you know the band The Acacia Strain? Yeah. They have a, an album called Wormwood. Um, Yes. And the last track on that called Tactical Nuke, that is just, uh, it's like a five minute song of the same yes. riff just over and over and over again. But it just slows yeah. down every like three bars or something to the point yeah. where it's this super, super sludgy riff <laughs> by the end of it. It's, it's great. You yeah. just, you know, you don't expect that. Um, no, I love it. So, yeah. That's a great, it's a great record. Whilst we're talking about uh, songs that threw me for a bit of a mm. loop, I think um, my favourite RSF song is A Life We Used To Know. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. The last bit of that is just... I can't describe the first time I heard that, where it goes like bass guitar. Yeah. And that riff is just so clean. Yeah. I, I just can't... I can't imagine how that was written in a way that was kind of... It's like the guitars are having a conversation with each other. Yeah, yeah. And it's like what picking up the next bit of the, like it's like a sentence, mm. and then a sentence if that makes mm. sense. Mm. And then obviously you come in and belt out a load of vocals, <laughs> and um, I don't know, it just really works. And I think stuff like that is usually a fluke, isn't it? And you're like, actually, that sounds really good. We'll keep doing mm. that. And sometimes when you're in the studio, it is that simple, isn't it? Yeah. If like, oh, I didn't bring my uh, my um, crash symbol today, so I'm going to have to do all of it on the hi-hat. And then it sounds better with less equipment, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And these things just happen at the, that moment of like, right, well, we've got to try and do something about this. Yeah, those happy accidents but, yeah. are kind of what makes it makes it fun sometimes, you yeah. know? Yeah, I love those nuances and I love sort of, you know, when they all get together in a room and they're like, oh, right, well, you could slightly change the wording of this bit in this bridge or this verse or mm. whatever. And, um, you always hear about stuff like that, don't you? Of like, oh, Paul McCartney was never meant to sing that. He sung that by mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember I check out Ultimate Guitar quite mm. a lot. And uh, there's a bit in one of the Black Sabbath songs. I can't remember what one it was, but Bill Ward made a pretty major mistake in one of the right. songs and he was like fuck it keep it in i'm going to bed <laughs> and it turned out to be like one of the best i think it might have been children right Day. right and it's just like you would never ever be able to tell that that was a mistake no no and it's just like, i i just love stuff like that i just think it's really really interesting yeah i i i really enjoy that stuff as well yeah yeah, definitely. yeah. another song i really like of yours is compass as well oh yeah Absolutely, that song. Yeah, Compass was was an interesting one. Yeah, yeah, it's really sort of epic and sort of Minerva-y and sort of 
yeah, like you're looking over the top of a mountain. Mm. No, it's really cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I've actually, um, this is proper fanboy. I've actually got an Instagram post on my personal Mm. profile of the first time I heard Gold Room and it was on some random radio station and I made like a conscious effort to Mm. listen to it. Jake, Jake commented on it and I was like, mate, what the fuck has happened? <laughs> I just, I never, like, I tag people in stuff, obviously, and I tag bands and mm. stuff, but I expect someone to get back mm. to me. And he's like, thank you so much for checking it out. Like, I hope you enjoyed it. And it's just one of those moments where you just want to lock your phone and, like, turn it upside down and be like, right, well, this ain't going to get any better. I'm going to hang my coat up here and say, but then you like speak to people, you know, no disrespect, but they haven't mm. heard of you. But I'm just like, how have you not heard of this guy? Like, it's just interesting, isn't it? Like people, you know, they want to do, people have said to me like, mate, I love the musician podcast you do, but when are you going to get One Direction on? And it's kind of like, a heck, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it's like when someone says I'm a singer, they go, go on and sing us a song. And you're like, no, fuck. Sure, like, yeah. I'm not going to you know belt out 500 miles in front of everyone in this pub for you mate i'm not here to Mm. do that but it's just it's just funny that like people have this preconceived conception of like oh i've never heard of metal it's all shouting and you must hear that all the time as a producer oh yeah i mean yeah it's sort of back in the day i think i used to hear it a lot more just because i'm kind of like i'm more surrounded by people these days that that do music yeah um you know, full time. And so you kind of, you end up not having those kind of conversations as often, but, um, but yeah, Yeah. certainly, certainly previously, you know, when I had my, like, I'd work part-time in bars and things like that. And people would be like, Oh, what band are you in? Someone said you were in a band. What band are you in? I'm like, ah, it's like a metal band. And they'd be like, Oh, like ACDC metal. I'm like, ah, not, no, (laughs) not quite. (laughs) Not quite. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, it. So yeah, it's it's yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. I don't expect people to you know to there's just so many things out there, you know. Yeah. There's so many yeah. things to be interested in and you can be you can be interested in metal and have never even heard of like this that that progressive side of metal that you know bands like mm-hmm. Periphery, Monuments, Tesseract, all those kind of bands that were huge in, you know. To another metal fan, that's you know that's just a load of bands they've never heard of before. So it's yeah. um yeah. I used to get great enjoyment out of reading the Tech Fest lineups because there was a band nearly every year called Destiny. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And every year they'd slowly creep up that lineup board, and I'd just be like, "That's such an interesting name that I actually want to go out of my way and check out who they are." And they're awesome. Like I love them, but. There was another one with We Butter the Bread with. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like, imagine if, like, you're like the singer of We Butter the Bread with Butter and you're like a granddad and you're trying to talk to your grandchildren about the fact that you were in a band once. Yeah. And they're like, oh, granddad, what was your band called? <laughs> just like, just random sort of like periphery do it really well as well, don't they? With their song names, they're very random. Yeah. Sort of Butter Snips and Jetpacks was Yes. And. <laughs> Lately, they've gone a bit more sort of concept. Sure, yeah, it's not quite quite as memey, and uh, yeah, 
but it gets people's attention and that's half the battle isn't it like you say it's, there's such a saturation of mm. music mm. like i get overwhelmed when i open my spotify yeah and i mean like you know i don't i don't even necessarily mean it in like a negative way either like you know it's yeah. it's just really interesting these days that if you think of metal music it's not just like yeah. the same 10 bands that you think of it can no, can be anything and mm. yeah obviously it means it's yeah. kind of harder for bands in general to get noticed maybe but it also means you can kind of carve out your own niche as well and yeah no so yeah it's definitely. it's really interesting i yeah i've actually been you know yeah i don't mind how the industry's going in that sense you know that that more and more people get mm. platforms to kind of put out music and yeah. showcase their talent really yeah more for it i know what you mean yeah i think it's it's gone in a very uh online way at the moment i don't think that's going to change anytime soon especially with the current situation no. that we're in but um people seem to get money from tours nowadays rather than their recordings but yeah, I always go back to this an anecdote of like Joe Satriani used to drive around in his car and he had like 600 albums in the boot <laughs> of his car and he was trying to like give them away. Wow. And now you can just press publish on Spotify and it's available to anyone, like no matter what device yeah. you have, you know. And that's that's a crazy, powerful situation. Yeah, it really so, is. Yeah. Yeah, it's just this this weird sort of opposite world that someone like Joe Satriani, who's like going on mm. sixty now, used to live in of like, you know, a lot of his um, I, I really like Joe Satriani. A lot of his troubles were like trying to get on, um, what was it like David Letterman right. maybe? Because they were like, what do you mean you don't have any vocals? <laughs> and he's like, mate, just give me a shot, like. <laughs> trust me <laughs> i know what i'm doing and you know he played the extremist right right and like it's got a harmonica solo and wow. stuff like that oh, yeah. but just this like stigma that like music isn't music without vocals and stuff like that and i just think it's like really interesting that he's killing it you know him paul gilbert steve vai yungri mount yeah yeah i mean you know, well i mean yeah those guys kind of carved their own niche for themselves didn't they mm. um especially with those the g3 concerts they used to do and um oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean those were you know if you were a guitar player those were the those were the dvds you watched yeah. you know i remember i remember watching quite a few of them yeah you know ones with like uh the john petrucci yeah. one and um yeah and yeah the ingway malmsteen one as well which was which is awesome yeah but yeah Eric yeah Johnson as well yeah mm. I think that that put people in two different parks. Though I felt that a lot of people were incredibly inspired by that, and they turned into Slash and wanted to practice for like sixteen <laughs> hours a day. And a lot of people just wanted to throw their guitars and <laughs> And I think that's quite apparent for the situation that we're in right now with COVID. Like some people have spent, like myself, they spent a lot of their time trying to work out and go jogging and try and look after mm. themselves a bit more. And some people are quite happy to sit on their sofas and lick Dorito dust off their fingers and watch the next season of Friends at 4pm <laughs> on a Thursday. And I think it it's just weird how these things split you in two, isn't it? And it prevents us sort of presents rather. A yeah. Road. Yeah, it does. Yeah. You can go one. Yeah. And yeah, I think, uh, 
yeah, depending on what you do in that situation, um, yeah, kind of defines you, doesn't it? Really, mm-hmm. you can't predict those things. You just have to make a decision based on. Yeah, definitely, you. definitely. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna uh, gonna leave it there. I've just got one more sure, question man. for you, Robin, and I have one about it. So I apologise in advance because this is very left field. What's your go-to meal deal? My go-to meal deal. Yeah. You know, it's probably probably Boots has the best meal deal. I would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I'm going for like a, a duck hoisin wrap. Uh, yeah. And I'm going for like a smoothie, and then one of those. Uh, the little mint chocolate, like cow energy balls things that boots do. Oh yeah, those things are great. So, yeah, it's probably nice. probably a boots meal deal for me. Very <laughs> nice. And that right now is proof that musical producers. <laughs> don't have <to> <laughs> <laughs> oh, how we ever half live, eh? Oh dear. I'm Tesco all the way. Tesco's not Tesco bad, man. Way, what do you, what do you think is the worst one? No, it's good. Oh god, I had one of my friends mm. on here once. Um he's not allowed back on now, Sam Welch. <laughs> this is this is directly talking to you, mate. He picked um he picked mm. the same rap as you, which is fair enough. But then he was talking about bottled water and a popcorn. Huh. And I was like, mate, no, you can't do that. <laughs> like crisps, crisps are crisps, like I only eat popcorn mm. if I'm watching a film, you know. But yeah, I think Tesco's is a lot more accessible because obviously, they're yeah, well, yeah, aren't they? But, um, yeah, my my go-to meal deal is chicken and chicken bacon mm. lettuce. It's either Thai sweet chili sensations, blue Doritos, or paprika Max mm. Ridge crisps. Mm. And then we're talking a white can of Monster because I've recently come off green Monster because it was messing me up <laughs> quite badly. Um, but I've gone from Benson and Hedges to another pack of cigarettes, essentially. And I'm fully aware that I'm kidding myself at this point, but we'll we'll continue Fair. to roll with it. Um, and either a Cherry Coke or a Strawberry nice. Rubicon. Nice. All good options. So, yeah, All good that's options. three meal deals. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm much. I'm typically getting a Tesco one though, just because there's a Tesco's literally outside my my place. Yeah, so exactly, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Lovely. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I hope Jake's ready for that. And I will be uh, reporting back. And Please do, yeah. Please do. But yeah, I appreciate your time. It's been absolutely incredible speaking to you, and you are one of my. Uh, uk musical influences so um yeah i'm not taking this lightly that you've uh, taken an hour out of your time to yeah, no, thanks thanks so much man it's been really cool and uh yeah no happy to be on. but yeah i'll try and stay in touch with you try and stay in touch with you as much as possible we're just about to hit a thousand listens on this wow which is that's awesome um so yeah so yeah thank you no worry congratulations on the podcast and, uh, man totally. like you know like you say thank you can you. either do it or you it's can't really well so yeah, yeah. Figure out how to do it later. Yeah, absolutely. Just go for it. Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I'll um I'll link you to this when this goes live. Um, this is available on Spotify, uh, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, mm. all that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll send you a link when it's all published. Sounds great. And um, 
we'll go awesome. from there. But yeah, I really appreciate your time. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for having me, much. man. See you later. Take care. Bye. Cheers.